Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Season one of Freelance to Founder is sponsored by FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers and solopreneurs. Having started with just one person and growing to serve thousands of customers, FreshBooks knows exactly what it takes to scale your solo business. And a huge part of scaling is getting paid what you deserve and on time. With FreshBooks, you can send an invoice in less than 30 seconds. Plus, they have this really cool feature where you can see when your client has opened their invoice and schedule automatic follow-up emails that trigger if they forget to pay. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com FTF and enter FTF in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thanks and enjoy today's episode of Freelance to Founder. I was working at a company and I was there often enough late that we decided to buy a futon and put in my office so that if I needed to, I could lay down and get some sleep. And we thought, oh, what a great idea. And after I had done that a few times, I thought, that's a terrible idea. For Milo, I'm Dallin Wright, and this is Freelance to Founder. On today's show, you'll hear Howard Lyon, founder of Lyon Enterprises, successful fantasy illustrator, and some would say a legitimate doppelganger to myself, although that certainly is not his only claim to fame. Howard engaged his love of classical art and drawing into a career and businesses focused on art education, game creation, Dungeons & Dragons illustrations, and Magic the Gathering paintings and prints. We're going to show how focusing on the right market can make a whole lot of financial sense. I call it success. See what I did there? Ladies and gentlemen, Howard Lyon. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? 
Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. And I think like any kid, I like to draw. Um, it's kind of funny when I, I've had the opportunity to go into some elementary schools, junior highs, high schools, and talk about art. And one of the questions I always ask is, who likes to draw? And I, when in the elementary schools, in the lower grades, every kid raises their hand. But as you go up through the grades, less and less kids raise their hand. And, you know, that's fine. They kind of shift interests. Some people going to sports or music or or find some other hobby to do but um, so I, I think I was fairly normal as a kid in terms of my interest in art but it never faded in fact it just grew and as I started reading more books it really pushed my desire to draw and paint I can say that I've always loved art I even remember being at my aunt and uncle's house and they had all these really beautiful big heavy coffee table art books and even at like six and seven years old I remember flipping through them and just being really fascinated by these images. I, I specifically remember looking at some of the paintings by David and the scale of them um, and just how epic they felt and these big heroic neoclassical figures and and really being drawn to them And all of that core love of classical art was about to run right into a massive influence that would shape his passion and eventual livelihood. A camp out. My best friend brought someone along and he was like, hey, do you guys want to play D&D? And I was like, well, I kind of heard of it, never played before. And we busted it out to play at like seven or eight, and we played through the whole night. Like the next morning, we were still playing. And uh, I was hooked. Little kid me was very into role playing and stuff, like playing pretend, except now we couldn't play pretend supposedly because we were getting older. That's my 18 year old, Taylor. Recently, she introduced me to the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I thought it would be good to add her voice as someone who is having a very similar experience, but it's through the eyes of a much younger generation. I started getting into, like, you know, video games online and that kind of stuff. And then I saw a video for D&D, and it was just all these weird adults (laughs) who were... Dressed as fantasy people, which isn't normal for D&D. That's just, they were doing a fun episode. You know, they were just pretending to be these other characters, and they were having a really cool adventure, and I liked it. 
as I was kind of building campaigns and enjoying that game at like 11 years old, I wanted to draw everything. In D&D, it's a very audio medium. You talk to each other. There's not a lot of visual representation of what's going on. It's just, it's really fun to take what you imagine is happening in the game and have this intense visual image of what is going on and being able to illustrate that, it's a really cool feeling. I would look through the books and see all of the creatures and characters. Okay, the books are pretty cool. I want to do this. You know, if if someone can do this for work, this is what I want to do. Growing up, I remember hearing about how fun it was to play D&D, but I also remember some people having a very negative impression about it. At the time, there was a lot of paranoia about Dungeons and Dragons. You know, it kind of went through this weird phase where it was erroneously associated with some bad stuff that happened um, on a college campus in Texas that kind of started this weird news report cycle on D&D and how it was evil and bad. Back in 1985, 60 Minutes covered the topic of suicide related to Dungeons & Dragons. Now before you laugh, remember the 80s and all the paranoia we constantly worked ourselves into. Remember how playing some rock records backwards supposedly summoned the devil? Well, as part of the show, they interviewed a Dr. Thomas Rodecki, a psychiatrist at the University of Illinois Medical School. He studied the game for several years, and the 28 deaths he attributes to the game. In some of those, it was clearly the decisive element. In other ones, it was just a major element in the thinking of the people. It's not coincidence, not when you have careful documentation, you have careful notes, you have eyewitnesses. For instance, one case, the parents were actually saw their child summon a Dungeons & Dragons demons into his room before he killed himself. Okay, what? <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I'd like I'd also like the statistics of youth suicide in that area that wasn't related to Dungeons and Dragons. Like can we focus on like maybe it was other factors? Can we research that a little bit more before we leap to kids summoning demons in his room? Luckily, my mom saw that it was just kind of this neat creative way of storytelling and and playing this game and so and she was good with it. As a 12-year-old, I told my parents that I wanted to be an artist, and they were fantastic. They they were very supportive of that idea and put me in classes, and they kind of always kept me with pencil and paper and um, never protested when I would bring my sketchbook to maybe some event where I probably shouldn't be drawing, you know, but they were always good about just letting me sketch and draw wherever I was. When I was in college, I thought I was going to come out of school and be a gallery painter. I thought I would do fine art and, you know, I looked around at the work like Morgan Weisling and Thomas Blackshear and and thought that's what I was going to do. And I got a game work, I got a job working in the video game industry, exclusively artwork for video games and other companies would do the, the coding and and assembly and distribution. So I actually worked on a lot of different games and back in 94, the product development cycle for a video game could be measured in weeks or months rather than years. And so I had a really unique opportunity to work on a lot of different games. The very first game that I worked on was an in-house game called Legends. Um, I think they ended up calling it Legends 98. 
Enter the new era in football games with Legends Football 98. Your chance to become a legend. My job was to take the black and white scans of all of the football players in the NFL out of the guidebooks and paint them as color portraits. So it was, it was crazy, tedious work, but it paid really well because they did it by piece rate and it allowed me to learn the digital tool set really well. I worked on a virtual boy game for Nintendo. If you remember, they had this weird 3D console where it was just red. It was like Mario Bowling, I think was the game, or Nintendo Bowling, and worked on that. It was just a strange piece of hardware to develop for. These sweet tunes you're hearing? They're actually the audio from Nestor's Funky Bowling, the game Howard worked on, and the name he couldn't quite remember. It really was neat to work on such a variety of games. I thought, well, I'll just do this for a little while while I'm getting ready to branch out and and be a fine artist and um, ended up working in that industry for about 12 years. There was a, a big desire to do my own thing. In fact, while I was still in the video game industry, I started my own company because I wanted to do my own thing. And we actually developed Um, some kids titles and one was very successful it was called Wismo's Workshop Welcome to Wismo's Workshop I am Wismo Farm (laughs) Here in our workshop we are very busy painting, playing, reading and And Disney's magazine Family Fun named it as one of the top five games of the year By the time I decided to get out of video games um, I had my three kids and they were old enough to know that I was gone a lot. I was working at a company and I was there often enough late that we decided to buy a futon and put in my office so that if I needed to, I could lay down and get some sleep. And we thought, oh, what a great idea. You know, then when I'm working long hours, I can I can catch a, a few winks and get back at it. And after I had done that a few times, I thought, that's a terrible idea. I had ideas that I wanted to get out there. I I wasn't quite sure the best way to do it, you know, whether I wanted to do it in video games or do it with my own illustration or artwork, but, uh, but I figured I'd give it a try. After the break, we'll hear more about Howard and his quest to get his ideas in front of the public. Season one of Freelance to Founder is sponsored by a company that also started with just one employee and has grown to serve thousands of customers. That company's name? FreshBooks. Lots of Miller readers and listeners use FreshBooks every day to manage their growing business. Here's what Michael had to say. He's founder of SICdigital.com and has been using FreshBooks since 2010. The coolest thing, he told me, is being able to compare my profit and loss over the years and see how my business has grown. To join Michael and try FreshBooks free for 30 days, visit freshbooks.com FTF and enter FTF in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Companies like FreshBooks help us here at Milo create high quality content 100% free. If you'd like to hear more shows like this in the future, take a second and support this season's sponsor, FreshBooks. Now, back to the show. 
one of the big reasons that I got out of video games was I would see so much work go into these titles, but then the success of a game depends so much upon the efforts of a publisher, a retailer, all of these other players that I just got tired of seeing things fail, not because the game wasn't a good game or not because, you know, it hadn't been well developed, but there were just so many other factors involved that it it just got very kind of disheartening to see it happen over and over. And not just to me or the companies I worked at, but to my friends throughout the industry. It's very that's a very difficult industry. But sometimes frustration is the precursor to exploration and growth. Sometimes it's a good thing for you. It hit the point where I was working so many hours that I thought, well, if I worked this hard for myself, I'd probably be a lot better off. And so while I was in the game industry, I started doing some illustrations that I thought would be effective as a portfolio piece. And I took those images and I I started to, to submit them to different companies. And Paisel Publishing was up there on my list just because of the, the publications that they had. And um, they liked my work. It was good enough to start getting me some covers for their magazines. That was enough to give me confidence to quit working in the video game industry that, uh, that I would have adequate income. I did quite a few paintings for them and I used that, those images in my portfolio to start doing work directly for Wizards of the Coast for the the rule books, the like the Monster Manual and Dungeon Master's Guide and all of that for for Wizards of the Coast. And I ended up doing about, I think about 300 paintings for D&D over the course of a few years. It was very satisfying to get a commission, spend a week working on it, hand it in and be done. It was like, it was, it was, that was it. It was this beautiful little capsule of creativity that I got to take and internalize and develop and then hand off again. And um, I've, I've, that continues to satisfy me. I like having my creative efforts be measured in days and weeks and not years and be able to take what I've learned from the last effort and apply it to the next one and hopefully grow. That eventually spread into doing work for Blizzard, doing some work for the World of Warcraft card game, and then various covers for different authors, different publications, and then that moved into Magic the Gathering. So really it has been more a, a cascade of clients from the, those initial jobs from Paizo Publishing rather than uh, me seeking out different clients. They've all kind of come as a result of doing that initial work for, for Paizo. We don't often know where we're going to end up, but we take the work that comes our way, we seek out clients and positions, the days pass, and hopefully someday we're reflecting on how we got where we are and we can say, like Howard, that it was because... We never gave up. Magic the Gathering is a really great game, and it's a really wonderful community to be part of. I don't play the game much. I, I started playing it a little bit because my boys, again, kind of like with D&D, whenever I'd finished doing work for a set for Magic, they'd send me a box of cards. 
And so we had all of these cards sitting around and my boys wanted to learn how to play. The community is really a wonderful one for a few reasons. One, the game is hard. It's a challenging game that takes some intellect to play. And so the, the community that plays it is smart. A big part of the game is the art. It would be, the game wouldn't have nearly the appeal that it does if it weren't for the artwork done for them. And thankfully, the, the players of the game, the fans of the game, recognize that and are very supportive of the artists that, that create artwork for it. I'm out with James Risner, the owner of D20 Games in Lexington, Kentucky. And he's also a level two judge for Magic the Gathering. I visited with him in his store, and we talked about his thoughts on art and its role in general in the gaming industry. You also could come to the event and not play any events at all, because there will be a lot of artists. They'll have art, artist booths for usually two to ten different artists, and you can come there, and many do, uh, just to buy playmats from the artists to get them to sign art, to buy plates or panels or sign cards. Uh, so there's a there's a non-zero large number uh, of people that come just for the art. They just come to see the artists. Man, as soon as I started doing work for Magic, I started getting letters from around the world where people would send their cards to me to have them signed. And it wasn't necessarily because of me, it was because of Magic. It was because of Magic the Gathering. If you get the chance to do artwork for it, there will be the fans there to support your efforts. You can go to these events as an artist and do very well just signing cards because the, the Magic players will tip you every time you sign a card for them. Um, they're very generous and uh, very, very gracious and thankful for the work that the artists do for the game. Even though we've already been paid, they appreciate the effort that goes in in order to create the artwork for the game. The, the LLC that is this game store was originally created to be a publishing company for publishing of game books. Uh, in researching that, I found that what sells game books is the art. The writing uh, can be subpar. They'll just not buy another book from you. If the writing's good, then they will buy another book from you. So you need, you need good writing, you need good art. But what will actually sell your book, everyone expressed strongly to me was how good your art is, you know, how, how interesting, how captivating your art is. We have people who grew up reading The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and watching Star Wars who now own their own companies and have a lot of disposable income. And the artwork that they want to buy is evocative of the things that they loved in their youth and love today. And so there's this, there's this fan base that exists now that can afford to pay good prices for original paintings done for Magic the Gathering or an original fantasy paintings. You know, D&D used to actually be this real um, kind of social outskirts kind of playing thing. Like, that was the last bastion of nerddom. Um, that was, like, if you didn't want to be the ultimate nerd, then just don't play Dungeons & Dragons and you're fine. But if you play Dungeons & Dragons, you are, like, a social outcast. That was how it kind of was in the 80s. Like, this was the nerdiest thing you could do. I think anyone who's 
who's let themselves get wrapped up in something that they love, which to me is the definition of nerddom, is when you allow yourself to really love something. I think you see things different because of that. It, it's kind of like putting different lenses in your glasses and you see things a little bit different. How about a passionate football fan wearing foam cheese on his head? He's no different than the guy who spends a hundred hours making his own stormtrooper armor and then wearing it to Comic-Con. It's like, this is my team. I am on Team Star Wars or, you know, whatever license you've decided to jump into, it's no different than being on Team Green Bay Packers. I think it's a wonderful thing when people allow themselves to unabashedly love something. I asked Howard if he's changed anything recently in his production, you know, to better cater to those passionate nerds. Magic has really come into its own lately, and so I've switched over from doing my work on the computer to doing oil paintings of the magic cards. And I'll, fortunately, I'm able to make quite a bit more selling the originals of my paintings than I ever did from the commission of the, the piece to begin with. I really think that as manufacturing and robotics and all of those, you know, 3D printing, all of those things are able to produce whatever we need, whatever we want, the idea of having something that was made by hand is going to be more and more valuable, and I think that will include original artwork. I think if the industry were easier, I might not have been as motivated to get out and do my own thing. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next time with the story of Ugmunk and its founder, Jeff Sheldon. We'll hear about a company determined and succeeding at bringing the founder's designs to fans not solely focused on disposable fashion. We're talking about designs with extended shelf life. You can subscribe to the show and listen to the entire first season at FreelanceToFounder.com. While you're there, you'll also find a free gift we've included just for you. If you enjoyed the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us an honest review. Ratings and reviews help us improve the show and help others find it more easily. We would also appreciate you telling one person, you know who, your business-focused friend-slash-brother-slash-college roommate, that person. For Milo, I'm Dallin Wright. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay, hold on. Hey, Mom. Hello, what are you doing? Uh, I'm recording with Dad. You're in the in the basement? Yeah, we're in the booth. But well, I'm supposed in the to booth. Go, who's supposed to go help Lily for me? What? She, she claims her dog is stuck in the wall between her bed and the wall. I'll, <laughs> I'll like, just get a yardstick or something. It's not I'll that hard. I'll help her. I'll... She's not available. I'm coming. Did she ask for me first? Okay, bye.